All hey right, guys, awesome. The e-commerce paradise, high ticket dropshipping podcast. I'm your host, Trevor, and I'm here with a special guest today. His name is Jose. Welcome to the podcast, Jose. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me to the podcast. Excited <laughs> to be here. Awesome, man. Yeah. So Jose, if you guys don't know him, uh, has been doing high ticket dropshipping for a bit of time now, and he's had a lot of success with it. If you guys aren't in the e-commerce paradise uh, Facebook group or the e-com dropshipping entrepreneurs Facebook group, um, you need to get in there because Jose's posting all the time with his success stories and stuff like that. Um, and I wanted to let Jose kind of introduce himself to you guys and uh, tell, uh, tell you guys what he's all about. So go, go for it, Jose. Yeah, guys, so I'm basically here in Chiang Mai, Thailand. I am an online business entrepreneur, but more than that, I, I'm really passionate about growing as a person and self-development and just growing spiritually as well. I've been really into my spiritual process, and, and I just like to help people. So, you know, having opportunities like this, being in a podcast, is, is really great for sharing my, my message, and, and yeah. That's awesome. Uh, <clears throat> where are you from? <clears throat> I'm from Colombia. Colombia, cool. Uh, what got you started with high ticket dropshipping in the first place? Well, I started doing high ticket because before in I was doing AliExpress dropshipping. I found a little bit of success with it. I was just not feeling. I, I was just not feeling. Um, not feeling not, but I was getting success. And it died out, the success died out because I didn't find another winning product in a, well, I could be looking. I decided instead of looking for another winning product, why don't I focus on something that in the future I won't have to be looking for more winning products. Instead, I want to build something that consistently is making me sales every single month without me having to look for winning products. Um, in this case, high ticket, you have to look for winning suppliers. Like some suppliers are not profitable, some of them are, but you know, at least they have several products and you will be diversifying your income. So I thought about that and I was like, yeah, okay, like why not, you know, why not get into it? Yeah, it's, it sounds much better. It sounds more diversified and consistent because it's through Google. So I, I really want to build something that will last, me for a, last for a long time without me having to consistently be looking for products and yeah. That's why I got into it. Uh, you're pretty young, man. Like, uh, I'm pretty impressed that you've done so much at such a young age. A lot of people, you know, it takes them into their 20s and 30s to start finding success with this kind of stuff. Um, how old are you? I'm 20. 20, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so, like, what got you into it so young? Maybe, like, right out of high school, did you start looking up entrepreneurial stuff? Or how did, you, how did your journey kind of wind up here? Well, it was way before high school, actually. It was actually middle school when I started selling um, electronic cigarettes from China because I, I saw the trend. There was a girl selling it in high school, and I was like, damn, that girl's making so much money. So I just copied all the e-cigarettes, and instead of her selling to my friends, I sold to my friends and everybody that I knew around in middle school. And since I was there in classes with them and in the hallways i shared hallways i just you know that's that was my first um you know in exchanging physical product for cash so that was fun um I, I saw that you know i could make money i felt so much empowered because i was like you know like i can literally go and make money like i i have the power to do it and so you know i stopped doing businesses after that i started a bunch of little things but you know i was young i was still focusing on my 
like gaming and I wanted to play with my friends. Like I didn't really like money wasn't something I was looking after it, but I liked making money. Like I enjoyed it. You know, that's something I enjoyed doing. It's like a game for me. So yeah, no, I that, that was my start of the journey. It's a good hobby to have making money. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a game. It's like Monopoly, man. I love playing Monopoly, you know? It's really fun. <laughs> I think that's almost where everybody starts is they play Monopoly when they're a kid and you start learning how to, you know, buy the greenhouses and then turn the greenhouses into the red hotels and then take over like one side of the board and then everybody who lands on your stuff has to pay you the rent. It's so cool. Yeah, the real estate. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I think most people kind of get their start there. And um, yeah, for me, like my story started with like a lemonade stand when I was a little kid. Uh, parents uh, did a lemonade stand for the local like. Uh, fair whatever was going by and then you know we started to learn like okay you exchange money for lemonade and then you know we kind of had a lot of fun with they're like oh we counted our money and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> at what age did you do that <laughs> so um so being from uh colombia and stuff like that how did that kind of like affect your mindset um getting into all this stuff and trying to find success with it um did it make you more motivated or you know like how did that affect you for being from colombia specifically how did it affect me um well i mean that's the only place that i've grown up so it's really hard for me to compare but you know i would say that i was surrounded uh i was surrounded with mostly with people who were not into business um in my in my middle school high school in my growing up i wasn't surrounded with people until late so the thing well my parent is an entrepreneur like my dad is an entrepreneur so just that, you know, like he has a mindset of like, I can make money and like, you know, if you want to make money, you just like, you can sell stuff and make money. So that really helped me just having parents that were supportive with that. And also after this, after I learned more about, I started reading books about, you know, think and grow rich and, and all those books that really help you to grow personally. I realized the importance of having people in your life that are, going to support your mission in life or what you want to accomplish. So I, I saw Jim Brown's quote that said, you're the combination of the five people that you surround yourself most with. And I started hanging out with people who I admired. And I was like, you know, these guys are awesome friends and they, I also admire them. So I'd rather hang out with people I admire or making money and they are cool to hang out with. So I just stopped hanging out mostly. I, I didn't stop it mostly, but I stopped like a lot of hanging out with people who were not into business at all. And, you know, all those bad decisions that were negative influences that were coming to my life through them, um, through like other people. And I started hanging out with people who had good influence and just, uh, I, I could find those people in my city, not easily. It took me a little bit just because, you know, and they were not even in online business, but they were in like apps and, local businesses but just the motivation that they had and like reading books like about the same subjects and we just masterminding about like what they said and everything is just you know that motivated me to continue my my growth that's awesome yeah i think that's that always kind of thing marks the turning point in a lot of people's lives especially successful entrepreneurs you know i did kind of a similar thing when i was in the in high school I had to separate myself from a group of people that you know weren't as motivated as i was and there you go, you know. That's just kind of sets you off on that new path in life. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's important, man. Like if you don't, then you will continue being the combination of those five people. Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah. when you finally um, got into high ticket drop shipping, like what was your biggest pain point when you were getting started? Was it some kind of outside influence or was it some sort of like something inside of you that was hard to get over? What was the what were those biggest pain points? Oh, I can definitely say it. Like I I remember one hundred percent I had a call with you because I I was so afraid of calling suppliers so much. I just uh, like personally, like early in my life, I struggled with anxiety, just like being shy. I was, I was never good at sales. I always sold to my friends. I never sold by boys. Like I never knocked doors or called. I was good at Instagram marketing. Like when I sold the e-cigarettes and I just followed people. I never talked like face to face with people. I, I liked the digital stuff, virtual, like, so just um, after, you know, deck, like a, more than a decade, just being shy and anxious. And um, I, I already worked on myself. Like I, I thought that that wasn't going to affect me. And I worked on myself, like just growing, like trying to not be as socially anxious and stuff. But then I, I started calling suppliers. I, wa I was going to start. And I remember the first time, like the first day I sat down and, I just had a list of suppliers to call and I didn't even, I, I didn't even like, I, call, I think I called the first one and after I was so like, I was shaking, like I was really shaking, like, oh shit, what is he going to say? Like I, I was, my thoughts were all over the place and I couldn't like, yeah, it was, it was really impactful. Like my heart was beating, I was sweating and uh, logically it didn't make sense. It was like this, like this is a guy who works in a company and he just wants to help you out. But at the same time, I was, I was in fear, you know, like I was really in fear. So uh, I, I paid a guy to, to do that for me in the start, but it didn't last. It didn't last because he had to stop. So, you know, that was my biggest pain point, just calling suppliers. And I was able to overcome it after just after having, uh, after having the call with you, I was like, you know, I already like, I'm, I'm investing so much money on having this issue like being helped with and all that you know all the people can help me with all that you could help me with was telling me like hey like they are like the logical side of things and emotionally how to help you you know overcome that with your behaviors what what you can do to you know feel more empowered when you're talking with them and, um, but that that you could only guide me you couldn't do that for me so I had to like the first times I did that after and I started calling them and then, then it could like, after call, every call was better. You know, every call was better. I, I think so you just gave me a really good idea for a service to offer people. I think I might start offering a uh, supplier calling service. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's great. A lot of people want it, man. A lot of people yeah. would probably sign up for it. <laughs> All right, it's if you guys crazy. out there are listening to this and you want a service where somebody goes out and calls your supply, potential suppliers for you, let me know. Email me, Trevor at ecommerceparadise.com. <laughs> Tell me how much you'd be willing to pay. I think it's great. No, I had a lot of people when, when I asked, when I talked to people, they're like, how do you pay somebody to call suppliers for you? I'm yeah. like, it's not that hard, man. Like, you just, sure. yeah. They, yeah, they want. yeah, it's definitely scary. I think like you're right, man, 100%. It's like the first thing is just your mind snaps into this weird like instinct mode of like, oh, what's going to happen? Like, I don't know if they're going to get mad at me or if they're going to ask me some crazy questions. I don't know how to answer them or if it's going to be really embarrassing or, you know what I mean? Like there's these weird like human things. I think it goes back to just their like 
our fight or flight sense where it's like, you know, it's a weird situation. I don't know what's going to happen. Do I fight or do I run, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. you just kind of have to like try to like calm that, get over it and just think about it as like somebody you want to make friends with and, you know, have a good business relationship with. And yeah. I, you, you've done a great job. So you, you had like some crazy success getting suppliers. I read a post you made in the Econ Dropshipping for Entrepreneurs Group where you had, I don't know, 30, 40 suppliers or something like that. And this was in the course of like a month or maybe two at the most. So can you talk about that and like how you had success with getting lots of suppliers and stuff like that? Yeah. So it was, it was a combination of after growing personally, like after I took action and called suppliers, I, I became much better at just becoming better at myself, like how to talk to them, how to, how to overcome their saying no. And, but they will still say no, like the majority of the time they say no. So I was, I wanted to grow my business a lot. I, I realized that the way to grow this business was one, having more products and there are other ways to grow it. But the main thing is like, if you have more products, you can run more traffic to those products. So I didn't want to wait, you know, one year to grow the business. So I, I just made a list of all that I could potentially sell in that are related to my main niche. And I just, you know, researched all the brands under that sub niche. And then I, I already was kind of good at it. Like I, I became, I wasn't bad. I wasn't excellent, but I was good at calling suppliers. But at the same time, I didn't want to do it because um, it was going to take a lot of time. So I, that time I did pay a guy to call suppliers for me, but he was way better than the first one. And he's still, this day, he's still doing it for me. Um, and, you know, it's really lucky that I found him because like, he, he has been great. He has been like, he has good English. He has great skills. So he just called over 150 suppliers for me. And he was able to close over 40 of them. Some of them, we didn't even upload them on the site because I realized it were not good. Some of them were really bad, <laughs> like bad products. But that was a mistake that I did. How did you, uh, how'd you go about hiring this guy? Did you uh, go to onlinejobs.ph or, or Upwork or how did you find him? No, he was actually a friend of mine that was in a bad position in life financially. So I really wanted to help him out, but I didn't know how. And I didn't think he would be able to help me with this. So at first I told him, hey, if you want to make money, like really easily, you just upload products for me. Like I'll pay you a dollar for every product you upload. It won't take you more than 10 minutes per product and you can make money with it. Like, so, so that I paid him, I told him that he's like, yeah, okay. Like I taught him and he didn't like it that much. And then he saw me, like I was with him and I was like, okay, well you upload products, I'll call suppliers. And then he told like, we kept talking about, oh, you, you have to call suppliers. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I like, Hey, he told me he likes it. Like he told me he likes talking with suppliers because he had experience with it. So I was like, man, what, what, yeah, yeah. no way you like, you like it. Come on, bro. You like it. Okay. Like I'll pay you. Don't so he, so the perfect fit for my, for my, for my, the, the need that I needed, you know? So, yeah, I like that. You're thinking like a business owner, like you, you got to find people's strengths and then work them towards that. And it sounds like that was the perfect uh, fit. Obviously he's done really well for you. 
That's awesome. Yeah. And Andy's a friend of yours. I think that's great. You guys, if you're listening out here and you're thinking about hiring somebody to help you run your business or help you build your business, um, think about friends and family, um, probably, you know, friends, <laughs> not so much family, but um, friends who, you know, are like Jose said, like out of work or whatever, they just need to make money somehow. Like uploading products is really simple. Um, if they know how to write, writing content for your website is really simple. And, you know, obviously calling suppliers or maybe even just, you know, doing customer service. And, um, and yeah, especially if they're either close by you or they're based in the U.S. It's a great situation. So thanks for that insight, Jose. That's really awesome. Yeah. So, um, so that was one of the biggest pain points. And I think everybody has that pain point for sure. Getting suppliers can be um, one of the scariest things to do. But once you get them and you upload them and stuff like that, um, it's kind of just the beginning, right? Like this is just a starting point. Um, what have you done? And you've had some massive success with your store. And uh, what have you done since then, since you've gotten all these suppliers to really scale your store and, um, you know, and find success with profits with your business? Well, I, I ran into a little bit of, uh, after I uploaded all those products, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't really have the experience. So, so if, one, one big thing is that I thought that if I simply had a budget in Google ads and had all those brands, then somehow Google is going to be magically fine and bid for the search terms that are going to convert. So yeah, that doesn't happen. So you really have to, one thing that I learned is that instead of testing, like instead of testing all those brands at once and wasting a lot of money and barely getting any data, to making decisions, I found that instead of going at three, five, ten brands at a time, just go with one. And so, if you if you do that, then you will be able to get you know spend less money and have more data to know if a brand is going to be profitable or not. And with that with that approach, then you know I was able to see if a brand was profitable or not and being able to cut them up because I have some brands that have like 3000 products and they were just getting a lot of clicks and, but no sales. So I just turned them off because they were making a lot of, a lot of costs, but it was going to be hard, hard to test them. Like if I want to test if they would be profitable or not, I would have to spend maybe like $5,000 or more because they have so many products. So I, yeah, I have to like divide, maybe by certain sub niche like category of the brand. Like if the brand has certain items, by dividing them by the, like the products that are $1,000 or up, or, you know, if there's a table, like specifically, or, you know, uh, a door instead of a knob, for example. I don't know. I was just looking at a door. <laughs> hey that's a high ticket product so that makes sense <laughs> and i think what you're yeah. talking about makes a lot of sense too you know you're right like you have to find winning products with this business model just like you do with any business model and, and like you said suppliers might have a ton of different products they might have a ton of different categories they offer and you really have to like dive down in your ads um, to find out which one of those are actually going to be profitable you know and like if a, if a supplier has 8,000 products, you know, it's obviously going to cost more money up front just to even test all of them in the first place, much less you decide which ones to actually go about optimizing. Um, what a process. Yeah. sounds like you've really gotten that down, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I understood that, you know, and once I understood that, I was like, wow, you know, I've been doing it wrong. I mean, I, I was not doing it wrong. I was just doing it way more time-consuming, money-consuming, 
like I was wasting a lot of money, time, energy on basically no data. So if I, I can do the same with less time, money, and energy with less money, like less money and have more data. So that will allow you to make better decisions and optimize faster and get to profitability faster. Very, very smart business decision right there. 80-20 rule and uh, also known as the low-hanging fruit, guys. Just understand that there's always going to be a low-hanging fruit in the business. And low-hanging fruit with high-ticket dropshipping is usually going to be, you know, targeting product-based keywords and uh, going for high margin, high dollar products. And also looking for those products with lots of reviews in the marketplaces, the ones that are making the sales and stuff like that, going after those suppliers. Um, but like I said, you still have to test the, the data. You still have to get, you know, data from the ads. You have to get data from your website, look at your key P KPIs, um, key uh, uh, percentage, and what does KPI even stand for? <laughs> key performance indicators, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So your KPIs <laughs> are going to be like, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, your conversion rate uh, on your website, conversion rate on your ads, because it's separate, you know, you might get multiple traffic sources, so conversion rate on your website, conversion rate on your ads, and you also look at clicks, impressions, uh, click share, impression rate, stuff like that. Um, a lot of different things you want to look at in your ad groups to make sure that uh, you're actually setting your bids appropriately. You know, you're not overspending on your budget and stuff like that. Uh, all sorts of stuff like that. So it's a process, you know, it takes a lot of time, but it's worth yeah. it. Definitely worth it because that's your business and it's <laughs> the difference between making money or not. Right? I mean, you can make a lot of money and then spend it all on ads. What sense does that make? <laughs> you get yeah. cash back at the end of the month on your credit card? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta, yeah. gotta pay the bill somehow. Um, yeah, it's really important. So, I think Jose, I think those are like two awesome tips, and um, we'll just end that out there because like getting suppliers and then just like optimizing your website and finding those best sellers. I think like keeping it really simple. Those are the things that can make your business super profitable in the very beginning. Um, if you want to uh, uh, end with like some sort of a uh, a key lesson you've learned um, through this whole journey of yours, and like maybe one takeaway you want to give the listeners, what would that be? For the business specifically? Sure. Yeah. Um, I the don't have one learned, on top of my mind. The biggest <laughs> thing that I learned. Yeah. Uh, just this business is all about, you know, getting suppliers and optimizing and, you know, reading the data. Because, I mean, you're building a real business, so you have to really, you know, build it with data. Instead of guessing, you have to, you know, approach it as a real business. It'll take time, but if you do things right, you'll have an asset and uh, that's, I guess that's what you're going to do it. I mean, if you're listening to this, you want to do it. You just got to have drive and you'll figure things out with the, with the guidance that you'll be getting. Cause I mean, if you do it alone, then it'll be like, you know, it'll, it'll be really frustrating. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't pay somebody to help me out, you know? 100%. I think those are some really, really important lessons. You guys, let's just recap really quick. Make sure you're focusing on the data, Jose said, and I think that's really important. Um, data is going to tell you what's working and what's not. And don't just focus on your emotions and, and you know, whatever else. But, like, it's a real business. Treat it as a real business was the second one, Jose said, and I think that's really key. And the third thing, Jose, was uh, – what was the third thing again? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had enough coffee yet this week. Guidance, man. I mean, uh, I, I heard a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I heard a lot of people telling me, like, no, you know, like, I want to do it, but I don't want to pay for a course. And I'm like, man, you're going to waste a, a decade. Come on. Like, 
just pay for a course and save yourself years. That's awesome. Thanks, Jose, so much for the uh, amazing tips. Um, you guys, if you really uh, want to meet Jose and uh, talk to him, uh, you can find him on Facebook. Uh, Jose, what's like a place that they can find you? Uh, I think Facebook or YouTube. I mean, I have a YouTube channel, but... Okay, like, what's the YouTube channel called? It's in Spanish. It's in Spanish. Okay. So if you, you speak Spanish and... So, habla uh, espanol, go to... What's the YouTube yeah, channel? Joe, yeah. Joe Ochoa is the name of the YouTube channel. Joe Ochoa, Joe. okay. So look him up on YouTube, yeah, Joe Ochoa. Ochoa. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to link to it in the description below. And uh, I'll also put in the Facebook profile. I'm sure people want to reach out to you, maybe ask you some questions and stuff like that and try to mastermind. Yeah. Um, a lot of people around the world listen to this podcast, different countries. You guys are out there in the United States, Canada, Australia, Thailand, um, Britain, South America, different parts of Europe, Germany, um, you know, even see places like in the Middle East and stuff like that in China Southeast Asian country. So it's really amazing. It's a worldwide listenership. So yeah, if you guys want to uh, reach out to Jose, he's a great resource for um, trying to do dropshipping in the U.S. from abroad. You know, if you're an international person, it is possible. Jose has proved that it's possible. Um, if you have enough drive and focus, you can do it. Um, so definitely reach out to him if you have any more questions. Jose, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Great. It was great talking to you. Cool, man. Yeah.